Y'all ready for the word this morning? Y'all don't sound like it. I said, are you ready for the word this morning? All right, all right. Y'all dragging this morning. That's all right. I'm going to help y'all out. I'm going to help y'all out. Well, today, Bethel Gary, we will continue um, our Christmas service. Uh, by the way, once again, as by way of reminder, uh, our Christmas service will be 1219, which is uh, next uh, Sunday. Uh, we encourage you to grab those invite cards, invite a friend, a family, uh, co-worker, boo, bae, whatever, you know, just bring them. Um, and we want to uh, rock out with you on 12, 1219. Also, that reminder, on the 21st, we'll be um, having a community dinner uh, as, as we uh, seek to reach out uh, to our community through the City Life Center. And if you were not here last week, the title of our Christmas series is Finding Christ in Christmas. Finding Christ in Christmas. Last week, we discovered where Christ was before his earthly birth. And the answer is that he was not found in heaven. He was not found on earth, but he was found with God in eternity. That's right. He was with God. And we discover not only was he with God, but that he was God and he is essentially God. He is the creator. Now today we will discover how the creator was created. I want to preach from this thought, a royal package, a royal package. Indeed, this Christmas season, there will be no doubt millions of packages sent. And some of you will have something to do with that. If you want my address afterwards, let me know. Indeed, these packages will be sent through some carrier. Starting the week of December 10th, the UPS, USPS, expects to deliver 200 million packages per week through Christmas. Amazon delivered, recording breaking, 1.5 billion holiday 2020 packages. UPS, you can go brown if you want to. Drivers typically make 200 or more stops per day during the holidays. Oh, and we can't forget the guys in purple, FedEx. FedEx delivered 3 billion packages in 2020. You see, before we can send a package, we must decide which of these wonderful carriers can be trusted to both care and deliver our package to our loved ones. Depending on the value of our package, we pay extra for it to arrive or be tracked or be secure, which is why some choose Amazon Locker instead of their house, because we want to make sure that we get that package. Amen, somebody. If we go as humans with temporal, fragile packages, if we go through such great lengths to secure created packages, what created carrier service is worthy to deliver the creator? Who would God choose to deliver his most valuable package ever delivered to the world? I'm glad I got your attention because I got to tell you, some of you are going to be disappointed, but he did not choose Amazon to send his most valuable package. And I know some of y'all offended. He didn't choose USPS. He didn't choose FedEx. And he didn't choose UPS to be the carrier. But he chose a woman. 
Oh, that didn't hit you like it should have. A woman, the crowning glory of creation. Woman, formed and fashioned by the holy hands of the triune God. Woman, bearing the image of God. Woman, endowed with intrinsic dignity and worth, created equal to man, made a little lower than the angel. Woman, ladies, hold your head high as I read the words of that lyrical poet, Tupac Shakur. And since we all came from a woman, got our name from a woman. Yes, he did say it. In our, here it is, Mr. Keith. In our game from a woman. I wonder why we take from our women, why we rape our women. Do we hate our women? Tupac words hit hard when we realize that the architect of the universe was delivered through a woman. And this morning we find Jesus the creator and sustainer of life in his mother's womb, Mary. Now, the hope of Christmas is found in what, the hope, the hope of Christmas, if you really want to grasp it or hold on to it or be able to tuck it into the pocket of your heart, you got to understood what it took for God to get Jesus here. Today, I want to talk about the part of God's work that, that brought his son the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world. Of all the obstacles God faced in in completing his plan to save lost sinners like you and I, and the most challenging from a human perspective is delivering the deliverer, our royal hope. But before we stop at Mary's womb this morning, and I do want to get there because there is great hope in that moment. There is things there in Mary's womb that ought to make us rejoice and to make us shout. But I want to be assured that we all shout at the same time and that that we arrive at a place of appreciation at the same time. And in order to do that, I have got to give you the broader context. I have to give you the story before the womb if you're going to celebrate Jesus finally arriving in his mother's womb. Let's take a walk, if you will. Journey with me for a moment. Let's go through some biblical history to get the context of this miraculous moment in time. Why am I doing this? Because I don't want you to miss the work behind what it took to deliver this package that that you might really understand the depth and the breath and the love that God has for you, church. You see, we have no idea all the work that goes into delivering our Amazon and our FedEx packages. Like, we don't understand all the coordinating that has to happen, all the emails that have to be sent, all the numbers that have to be typed in. All we care about, amen, somebody, is you better get my package to me on time. But I think, I, I think, I, I want to explore here, I, I think, may, may, maybe it's just me, and this may not be you, and I don't want to, so I don't want to put this on you. I think if we understood all the work that it took to get our packages to our houses and to our loved ones, we might not be too mad at the delivery fee of our chosen carrier. But friends, God paid a very high delivery fee to get Jesus just to the womb of Mary. We're not even talking about the tomb. We're just talking about the womb today. 
I mean, y'all have got to get this. I mean, it knocked me off my feet. I mean, it really rocked my world. Here it is. It said, uh, uh, way back in the dawn of time, man started smoke with God. For those of you who don't know what smoke is, you're not into slang. That means they started some beef, some drama. Uh, they had an issue. I'm trying to make sure I get everybody in the room tidy in here, all right? Uh, uh, with God by crossing God and in, in falling into sin. We see this in the book of Genesis. At that time, God promised man that there would come one who would take our charges, defeat evil, and deliver humanity. For thousands of years, man waited. While man waited, God worked. Ain't that a good thing right there? I can park right there. While you're waiting, God is working. That's a sermon all by itself. God worked by choosing a man named Abram from Ur of the Chaldees. That's right, right there in Genesis. Right after you get past creation, you go a few chapters over and you run into Abram before he became Abraham. He was an idol-worshiping man, and God met Abram because God had a plan to send a redeemer into the universe. And so he stops at Abram. And through this man, God raises up a nation known as Israel. God worked through this nation to establish his laws and his worship in the earth. Yet the people of Israel were janky. Yes, they were. They couldn't be trusted. No, they couldn't. You should see them. They like you and I. They're up and they're down and around and around. God deals with them constantly turning away from the Lord who had called them in and, and bought them and loved them and freed them. But what we see in this relationship is that God is patient with them. He continued to work. He worked in spite of their tendency to follow false gods. He worked in spite of them turning a deaf ear to his word and to his preachers and his prophets he sent to lead them. He worked, y'all. Yes, he did. He worked in spite of the fact that they were, they were really not feeling him as God. God worked as he brought down kings and showed up in fires and in and, and lion's dens and, and crossing the Red Sea and manna out of heaven. Y'all, God worked, y'all. He worked. God worked because he was completing a plan that began before the world was ever made. He worked because he was determined to send a redeemer to this world to save the lost. He worked. He worked because he was motivated by a heart of love to see his people saved. He worked. He worked in spite of everything they did. And in working, his love for them overcame every obstacle that they placed in his path. God kept on because he had promised Christmas someday. Friends, more determined and committed than any delivery service was God, who keeps all of his promises. And one day, the world received that message after all God's working. Here it is, y'all. The world finally received that message. You're like, what message? That message that we all love to get on our Android. iPhone, y'all just keep looking at me. The message that says, your package is on the way. Yeah, we love to get that message in our emails, that, 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 that your package is on the way. And when you get that message, you get excited because you know that in a matter of days, that thing that you've been waiting on or that thing that you've been trying to surprise someone else with is on 
the way, after all God's working of, of, of hundreds of years, of, of all that he went through with Israel, finally the world receives your package is on the way. And it was on the way, not through FedEx, not UPS, but it was on its way through Mary herself. God had a chosen carrier. The maker making place was a pure place. God just couldn't choose any carrier. He had to have a certain carrier. What was one of God's requirements of the carrier to be the carrier? In order for God to see in this royal package, who happens to be our royal hope, he needed a virgin. Here's how the text read. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin name was Mary. Larry King once asked, I mean, Larry King was once asked if he could interview anyone, who it would be. He famously responded, Jesus. I would like to ask Jesus if he was indeed virgin born. The answer to that question would define history for me. The virgin birth is both simple and complex truth that has some under attack since its conception, pardon my pun, many believe it lacks historical importance even in Christianity. Some also undermine its importance regarding personal spiritual growth. We got to go to school this morning on the virgin birth. We are told that the angel came to a virgin. The word refers to a female that is sexually pure. In fact, the virginity of Mary is affirmed twice in the verse. Contrary to what some believe and others may say, the word does not simply speak of a young woman, but it speaks of one who has never engaged in sexual intercourse. The vessel God chose to use to bring his son into the world was a perfectly pure vessel. And we're not talking about Mary is without sin. Why is this important? Why must I preach on this? Why must I park here? Why must I labor here? Is it to shame those who are not virgins when they got married, as this verse is sometimes used to do? Not at all. It's important because God promised that a savior of humanity would be the seed of a woman back in Genesis 3.15. All right, so we're going all the way back to Genesis where God declares that I am going to bring a Savior in the world through the seed of a woman. Well, women don't have seeds. So what is God talking about right here in Genesis? He's talking about the virgin birth. This simply means that God was seeing the Savior into the world through the body of a woman without the aid of a human male. Y'all better strap in this morning. Why? Because all humans are sinners. I need to slow down. I need y'all to catch this. All humans are, are sinners. And I know that just shocked some of y'all in the room uh, because you didn't know that about yourself. And that sinfulness is passed on through the seed of the man. Romans 5.12. When Adam sinned in the garden, he became a sinner. And just as he passed on his human nature to his offspring, Adam also passed along his sinful nature to his children. 
they inherited his sin, and they too passed it on down the line. This is a good place to talk about generational curses because the reason why generational curses are passed on uh, uh, first and foremost is because we are in Adam and we inherit our sinful nature from our parents. But the good news is, is that when we believe in Jesus, we are no longer in Adam and now we're in Christ and all the curses that ever held you down is now broken through the cross of Jesus Christ. God plans to send a Savior into the world, involve him, involve him sending a pure Savior who would not inherit the sinful humanity like you and I, who would not be born broken like you and I, who would not inherit the, the sinful nature as Adam. God had, to, God had to break that. God had to start a brand new lineage, and it starts with Jesus. And Jesus, through the virgin birth, was able to escape the sinful nature of humanity. He was able to inherit a physical body into human nature, all because of a virgin birth. Now, I know a little bit about the importance of something not being contaminated. When Paige and I were preparing to go, to Hawaii, we had to take in at-home COVID tests, y'all. Yeah, we had to do, y'all know, you get a little thing and stick it up, you know, it's kind of weird and all that good stuff. And so they sent the test, and it was, it was tightly packaged, it was sealed. They wanted to make sure that nothing got on that test. They wanted to make sure that it wasn't tampered with. They had it sealed real tight, and I'm glad it was sealed real tight because I paid enough money for it. And so they wanted to make sure there was no contamination. And we were given very, very detailed instructions on how to handle the test. Y'all, I'm nervous because I want to get to Hawaii, y'all. I did. I really did want to get to Hawaii. I was like, I can't mess this up. I read the, instru the, the instructions. I read them like three, four, five, ten times, y'all. I was just reading them, you know, meditating on it, praying, all that. I fasted. I ain't fat. I'm just messing around. I'm just joking. Uh, because they didn't want the results to be contaminated because if they were contaminated, then then, then, then the test would be disqualified. See, God wanted a pure womb for, for the maker so there would be no wondering if Jesus was contaminated. Is that God's baby? Or is that Joseph's baby? Oh, see, y'all just don't want to be human in the room. Y'all know how we are. Can you imagine the barbershop arguments if Mary wasn't a virgin? I mean, just, just think about it. Man, that baby don't even look like God. You know, that's the kind of arguments that you'll be having in the barbershop. I'm just saying, that's the kind of arguments you'll have in the barbershop. If Mary was not a virgin, she would be disqualified to be the carrier of the Savior. Not because grace doesn't reach non-virgins, but because Jesus needed to be pure to save all impure people, including virgins. By sending Jesus into the world through the womb of a virgin, God was able to give his son a human body and a human nature without him inheriting a fallen nature. This enabled Jesus to be born without sin and live without sin and die without sin. He was able to give his life as a, as a pure, perfect sacrifice for a fallen man. He was able to satisfy God forever through the offering of his own body on the cross. 
And I certainly do not understand all the mechanics of, of how God did this, how he sent his, wor- his son into the world to the womb of a virgin. But I do know, this is what I do know, church, that the virgin birth of Jesus is a foundational doctrine of the Christian faith. Without a virgin birth, We do not have a savior without a virgin birth. We do not have any hope without a virgin birth. We have no foundation upon which to build the house of our faith. But the truth is we do have a virgin birth. But here's the crazy part. Before an angel ever told Mary she was God's chosen vessel, God had been telling his people all along how this was going to go down. God had a planned pregnancy, not an accidental pregnancy. Y'all not going to talk to me this morning. I mean, God's been planning this pregnancy for centuries. It wasn't like, oops, I got a kid. No, it wasn't like that. No, no, no. And I know how that feels. Believe me. My first child at 16, I was all messed up, y'all. That was a terrifying moment. I was like, "Ah, I got to go tell my parents this. And uh, yeah, I did. I did. You want to hear that story? I'll tell you later. But it, it was crazy. But God's was different. It was planned. The maker-making place was a prophesied place. Many of you in the room may remember the famous basketball player Larry Bird. Larry Bird once told his defender exactly how he was going to score the game-winning bucket. The defender thought he was just being cocky. Seconds later, the defender was disappointed to see Bird make the game-winning shot exactly the way he explained. In no way am I claiming Larry Bird to be divine, but that was a bad boy. But if you think that's mind-blowing, try keeping a promise for thousands of years and doing it exactly the way that you promised thousands of years ago. One of the many amazing ways God showed his control over all things is through prophecy. He tells us the way he's going to do things before he does them. I wish I had a church this morning. God tells us how he's going to do things before he does them. Let me go in the middle over here. Maybe they'll talk back to me. God shows us things. God tells us what he's going to do before he does them. I thought I had a church. Let me try y'all over here. God tells us what he's going to do before he does it. He tells us, yes, he is, and that's part of what makes him God, is that he'll call his shot before he shoots it. He'll call backboard before he shoots it. He'll call all net before he does it. He's better than Stephen Curry, y'all. Curry got a high percentage, but God got a 100% shooting percentage. When he calls it, it falls every time. That's the kind of God that you serve. He tells us the way he's going to do things before he does them. i got to stop right here. It's one of the reasons that I worship him. Because when God says that he's going to do something, you can bet your bottom dollar that he's going to do what he says that he's going to do. The Bible says that he cannot lie. I wish I had some folks in the room that God's resume is good with you, that his history 
It's good with you that he's not failed you yet. You don't need me to tell you about biblical things. You got your own testimony. You got your own story and ways that God has kept you and is keeping you and is holding you. You ought to praise God in this place for his faithfulness and his goodness. Oh, he's a good God. God told us, not only, y'all, not only, I mean, not only is this a virgin birth, and, and, and that's, and, and we ought to stop, bow down, and worship God right now. And, and, and believe me, that's good enough. But, but, but it's one thing to say that you're going to plan a pregnancy thousands of years before, but and then when you tell us how, you tell us when, you tell us where, and to whom Jesus would be born, you got to be a bad God to orchestrate all of that through history and through time and to land that thing spot on. He lays it out in Isaiah 7. Catch it, church. I'm, I'm trying to preach this thing the way I feel it in my heart. Isaiah 7, 14, it reads, Therefore the Lord himself will give a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Hold on, I'm going to get to that name in a second. God promised us a Savior through a virgin birth, and he did it. Y'all still ain't shouting the way that y'all should have, so let me break it down to you. FedEx, y'all, I did my homework on FedEx. I sure did. FedEx has this thing. It's called the Purple Promise. That's what they call it. They call it the Purple Promise. And basically what the Purple Promise is is I will make every FedEx experience outstanding. Good advertisement, I love it. They, 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 they make millions of dollars off of it. And come to find out as much as they try to keep that promise, y'all, they fail. Yes, they do, and they disappoint. They deliver between 80 to 90% of their packages on time. Pretty good. FedEx has, but check this out, not only this, FedEx has over 170,000 employees, 675 aircrafts, 50,000 ground transportation vehicles, 1,800 office locations, and they still can't get 100%. Now, let me give y'all y'all God real fast. Now, 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 just look at God. God has just God. He makes a purple promise in Genesis 3 about bringing a baby into the world by means of just a woman. Yo, this is like, this, this, is, this, is, this is crazy. And you consider all the drama he went through over the hundreds of years. You consider all the fallen people in Jesus' lineage. And let's not even mention the complication of getting the creator into creation through a woman. And in spite of all of that, we still receive this message. Your promised package is on the way. He didn't fail, y'all. He didn't fail in 40 and two generations. Yah, God keeps all of his promises because he cannot fail. And it's not just a virgin birth that gives us hope, but it is that it was a planned pregnancy, not an accidental one. Now, you think that that would be enough. Pastor, you can end your sermon and go home, but it'll be too short. I still got another hour, Chris. Actually, I got 45 minutes according to that clock back there. Yo, now this is where it gets interesting because not only is it a virgin birth, not only is it a planned pregnancy, but God chosen place is what really, 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 really 
knocks me off of my feet, y'all. Yo, God had to send a whole angel. God couldn't send a half an angel for this one. God had to send a whole angel. I mean, he had to have both wings for this one to prepare Mary for this experience. Like, like, like God, if God would have sent a one-winged angel, it would have been all off. I mean, because this story about to get serious. Look, I mean, I mean, I mean, he sent one of the top angels. There's only a few angels in the Bible who you hear that name, which is which is usually Michael and Gabriel. God sent Gabriel. He's like, let me send somebody they know. I just can't be sending. I can't be sending Joe. I can't be sending Tommy or St. Patrick or Ray Ray. I can't be sending them. I can't be sending. I'm not sure if those are angels. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they are. But God's like, I ain't gonna send none of them. I'm gonna send Mary. I'm gonna send her a legit angel. Gabriel, y'all, not Santa Claus, but Gabriel goes straight to the ghetto, y'all. Watch it now. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this may be. Here it is, y'all. This is funny. She like, hold on, man. Uh, And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, but hold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now I need y'all to get in the text with me for a minute. I need y'all not to run past this. I need y'all to feel the humanity of the text. I need y'all to see Mary. I need y'all to feel Mary. I need y'all to get in her shoes, get in her mind, get in her heart for just a moment. Mary, what are you feeling about being the chosen carrier of God? The one who would deliver the deliverer. How did she feel to know her body would be a living sacrifice for the sacrifice? I mean, what was Mary feeling when she received her first order to deliver the creator into creation? History tells us that every faithful Jewish girl was looking for the Messiah. We are told that every Jewish girl hoped that she would be the vessel chosen through which God would send his Messiah into the world. But what are the chances? of Mary being that. It's very slim when we consider her condition. I don't think Mary thought being the mother of the Messiah meant she would end up on the Maury show first and foremost. She, she was not, she, she was not, she, she didn't think it was coming that way, y'all. She didn't, she didn't. I mean, Mary got serious questions for God. She's like, hold up. Here it is in a verse. I mean, I put words in her mouth. It's like Mary said to the angel, how Will this be? Now, we really got to take our head off to Mary because some of us would have used some other choice words, and we're not going to say what those words are. But she simply says, how will this be since I am a virgin? Reasonable question to me. I understand that. Gabriel, I'm going to need you to break that down for me. She's like, you know how hard it's going to be. I'm now, now I'm translating into the hood version. Uh, 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 you know how hard it's going to be for a sister out here, Gabriel, when you leave and you fly back to heaven? Do you know what this is going to mean for me? I am a virgin. How in the world am I going to get pregnant? For a young, see, y'all got to understand the societal context. For a young unmarried woman to become pregnant in that day? 
was to be the focus of shame, the focus of disgrace, and even possible death sentence. We're not playing games here. The news that just landed on her, her life is in danger. God had to prepare his deliverer to deliver the deliverer. Not only was she an unmarried woman, but she was a, her, her situation gets worse. Not only was she an unmarried woman, but she was a young, oppressed woman. Mary was shocked about how this Savior would come about, but, but she was equally as shocked by whom God had chosen to bring his Savior into the world, feel Mary. Mary likely is uneducated, according to most scholars. She's poor and likely destined to give birth to several poor children. Listen, maybe you don't know what it feels like to be at the bottom of a system and to be crushed by it. Maybe you don't know what it is or what it's like to have your life reduced down to just making babies as if you don't have any dreams, as if you don't have any desires of your own, if you never had to fight to convince yourself in society that you matter, you can't understand what Mary is going through. When you want to deliver something of value, you take extra precaution. In fact, when my wife orders something off of Amazon that she really needs, she gets that package sent to a special place. It's strange that although God's gift was of the highest value, he sent it to the lowest place. And I have to ask God, God, why would you do that? Why would you send the most valuable package to the most lowest place in society? Because God wants to say something to us this morning. And I'm going to say it loud and I'm going to say it clear. Because God wanted it to be reached by the lowest people so that everybody in the room would know that the gospel is for everybody. Nobody's excluded from the gospel. I mean, no, y'all got to get this. No, 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 you got to get this. I mean, God literally passes over Judea and Jerusalem. No, like he flies over Judea and Jerusalem. See, you're not shouting because that's like God passing over Crown Point, over Valpo, over Sherville, and landing in Gary, Indiana. You didn't shout. Here it is. God landed in the place that redlining was invented to keep the marginalized and the poor. God landed in Dory Miller. God landed in places where mayors and governments build bridges and railroad tracks and expressways around. This is where God landed. God landed where there are people on Section 8, where there's little grocery stores. He's landing where people say you shouldn't go. Listen, y'all, we locate Jesus this Christmas in a poor woman's womb, in a poor woman's house, in a poor woman's hood. This is where he is. Get the context. Friends, I don't know if you caught it, but the hope of the world was sent to a dark place. Santa Claus, no, scratch that, God went straight to the ghetto. I'm so grateful that our God is not like us 
people who cross over certain sections of the country, who cross certain folks out and are not willing to go into their neighborhoods, that we forget that they're image bearers, that we forget that they got pain like we got pain, that they got difficulty like we got difficulty. But Bethel Church, you got to look at your God in this moment that God does not forget the forgotten. Our royal hope would have been delivered to Gary, Indiana, if God had to choose a place in northwest Indiana. Look at what the angel gave said. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father's David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom and there will be no end. Now listen, when Gabriel says this to Mary, we are not told Mary's GPA, but any young Jewish uh, a girl who heard this kind of language must have known, Gabriel, you must be talking about the Messiah, the promised descendant of Abraham and David, the king. In particular, at this time in Jewish history in Rome, occupied the promised land, everyone was on Messiah alert. Everybody was looking for the Messiah. You remember how quickly they sought John the Baptist as the Messiah, and he never did one miracle? Gabriel language made it clear Mary would birth the Messiah. Her womb would be his temporary home for one who is greater than Moses, greater than Abraham, greater than Daniel, greater than all of the disciples, greater than David. He is the great Messiah. And she is to name him. I'm getting ready to say his name. She is to name him. Hold yourselves. I'm getting ready to say his name. She is to name him Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's park there for just a moment on that name. Mary, you don't need to Google names. You don't need to throw a name ceremony party. No, Mary. You don't need to get a baby name book. God already picked his name. And Mary, you are to name this baby Jesus. Now, the name Jesus, what does it mean? It means Jehovah is salvation. I wish I had a church this morning. Although Mary did not understand all that she was being told, she hears for the first time that name, which is above every name. Can you imagine that moment? She hears ringing in her ears that her baby will be the name that is above every name. She does not understand it now, but the child she will name Jesus will grow up one day. He will die on the cross to save lost sinners from their sins. He will be the only hope lost sinners have, according to John 14, 6. His name will be the only name that will open the gates of heaven, redeem the human soul from the bondage of sin, Deliver a lost man from the threat of hell and speak peace and hope to those who do not know God. For this child would be the fulfillment of a plan set in motion before the world was ever formed, according to a Revelation 13, 8, 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1, 20. He would die on a cross 
rise from the dead, ascend back into heaven to guarantee salvation for all who trust in him by faith. He will bring back from the dead. He will give access to heaven to everyone who believes in him. I'm going to say it again. He will raise up from the dead, give access to heaven, all those who believe in him. Y'all ought to shout in this place that your salvation is full and whole in the name of Jesus. Thank God for the day God sent his son into the world to be the savior of God's people. Now let's pull these strings together and find Jesus in the story. He preexisted in heaven. He preexisted all that is not God. And now he's located in the womb of a poor, uneducated young woman who's located in a poor house, who's located in the hood, who's located in a dark world. The maker in the making is made in a dark place. And what we discover is that Jesus is the one package that changes the carrier. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is the one package that changes the carrier. That it is impossible to carry Jesus and be changed by Jesus. I'm going to say it again. I'm preaching better than y'all talking to me. Let me try the back door since y'all won't let me in through the front door. That it is impossible to carry Jesus and not be changed by Jesus. I told y'all at the jump of this sermon, starting the week of December 10th, USPS expects to deliver 200 million packages per week through Christmas. Amazon delivered a a record-breaking 1.5 billion holiday 2020 packages. UPS drivers typically make 200 or more stops per day during the holiday. FedEx delivered 3 billion packages in 2020. After delivering all of those packages, none of those packages were able to, they deliver was able to deliver the carrier. The Amazon person, you know how they do. They drop your, drop your package off and they keep going. And sometimes they forget to take the picture. And that just make, that just messed me all up, especially when I ain't got my package. Why didn't you take the picture? They drop it off. They do their scan. They hop back in their van and off they go. None of those packages at any moment has ever wrecked their world. None of those packages has ever made the Amazon guy fall to his knees and weep in repentance. It's never happened. None of those packages has ever gave the FedEx guy an identity identity, uh, revelation. None of those packages has ever justified the USPS guy. None of those packages. Now watch this. No carrier has carried something that has carried them. Now watch this, because after this, I can take my seat. And I want the Lord to keep y'all real good, and I hope y'all have a good rest of the Sunday. Here it is, the carrier changed by what she carried. Look at Mary's words. This is what she says. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. This is the poor woman now in the poor hood who's forgotten 
Watch it. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Watch our worship now. You can hear the tambourines if you, if you listen close enough. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. This is the poor woman in the poor neighborhood uh, who's forgotten. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. This is the poor woman from the poor neighborhood. Here it is. In the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Now, this is my take on it. I think Mary needed some time. Yes, she did to process all that Gabriel had told her. It took her some time. She had to get away. She needed to meditate. It was heavy. You're a virgin. You're going to be pregnant. You're going to have the Son of God, the Most High, who's going to deliver the entire universe. Yes, Mary, it's going to be you. Little old me, oh me, God, you're going to use me. She needed a moment. Y'all, I don't know if you ever got some news that you needed to process. You needed to get away from everybody. I just got some news. I don't know how to digest it. I don't know what to do with it. I just need everybody to leave me alone. And Mary needed a quiet moment to her herself, and she began to ponder and process all that she was told, all that the angel had said to her. And as she began to process that information, something started to rise up in Mary's soul. Y'all, we like to call it worship. All of a sudden, worship began to well up in Mary's soul. Why would Mary worship God in this moment? Why would she worship I think that we need to park right here because we need to we need to take our cues from Mary on how she responded. Look at what she does as she was carrying Christ in her womb. She was reminded of God's mercy. She was reminded that she was not forgotten. She was reminded that her location and her economic status did not define her. She was reminded that the one that she carried changed everything. The carrier was being changed by what she was carrying. She was no longer seeing herself as this poor, forgotten young woman. No, her world is transformed by what she's carrying. She was no longer seeing herself as a nobody. And rightly so, she struggled with all of that because, you know, people define you by your career, your location, your economic status. That's why some of us work our fingers to the bone, not because we're trying to provide for ourselves, but we got an identity crisis and we want to fit in with the elite. We want to be somebody. We want to climb up the social economic status. And I ain't knocking all that because I think there's some good things in that. But it's a problem when we begin to find our identity in that. And Mary finds out that none of that matters to God, she's chosen, she's God's chosen favorite one. And surely this young teen girl who was pregnant was called out of her name. You ever been called out of your name? You ever been defined by the sin that you've fallen into? Have you ever been defined by your location? Have you ever been defined by these things? And Mary is now being redefined. I love the way Christina Edmondson put it. She says, as a young oppressed woman, Mary lifts up God's tremendous work of restorative justice as a sentimental expression of his enduring mercy and strength. Mary renders a string of praise in verses 46 through 45. You can almost hear the tambourines and the crescendo of a man's as her testimony and prophetic words build with richness, truthfulness, and grace. 
Here she contrasts the reality of her humble estate with the great honor of what God has done for her and through her. She is rightly shocked by this amazing grace. And this morning, may you be reminded that you too carry Christ. That you too carry Christ. Not like Mary. Ain't going to be no more virgin births in here. But you carry him in your heart. And where is Christ this Christmas, y'all? He's in the heart of all those who believe. And if that doesn't give you hope, I don't know what will. Worship team is coming back at this time. So no matter how low your situation may be, you carry Christ. You might be in a situation with a slum landlord and you feel forgotten. Just remember that you carry Christ. You might be suffering with low self-esteem because of the situation that you're in or the location that you come from. I want to remind you that you carry Christ. You might be single and people have defined you on if you can keep a man or not. I want to remind you that you carry Christ. You may no longer have your job because of the pandemic and people have told you that you are not a man. I want to remind you that you carry Christ. Your marriage may be on the rocks and it's not going the way that you want it to be. I want to remind you that you carry Christ. You may have not finished your education and got the degree that you wanted and you may never get it before you leave this life and I'm encouraging you to go get it. But in the meantime, I want to remind you that you carry Christ. Christ and the one that you carry changes your situation, redefines you because he changes us. You might be mourning over the condition of Gary, Indiana. Mary carried Christ while in the hood. When you remember Mary, you will remember that God hasn't forsaken and forgotten you. You will remember we are not defined by our sin or the ways in which we have been sinned against. Instead, because of Christ, we are co-heirs with Christ, children of the King, the redeemed ones. We are blessed. Friend, Jesus is our royal hope, and he is the royal package who we carry that is carrying us.